0: morning this is gaming perspectives with Saul and and today we're going to talk about a question that somebody sent to us as Saul would say on the inner tubes but first he needs to tell you about a charity
1: somebody emailed me and asked if we could mention this charity on the air and I decided sure what well, no problem and it's actually gaming related it's helping gaming I mean game creators keep creating it's a charity for people who are authors of RPGs or are connected to the industry who have fallen on hard times and made by gamers. It's the people who are in charge of it are gamers who just want to help people who are go through a rough patch. So give them the website. The website is www.rcrfcharity.org. Okay.
0: You can put it at the in the bottom of the notes at the end right. of the episode.
1: All their money that they collect goes to giving out the money uh, other than the expense of the website. Everything else is donated. The, everybody who, who the treasurer, everybody who is part of the charity, is donates their time. So it's completely open-faced. They tell you how much money they brought in and how much money they've given out every year. So if you want any more information, just click on the link that we're going to have below in the show notes. You know, we really believe that gamers love helping gamers, and it's been a pretty rough year for a lot of people. But let's, uh, if we can you know, give some money, then let's, uh, let's do it. Only if that. you
0: can, because we know some of you can. Yeah, right. So, the, somebody wrote in and asked a question, and what was the question?
1: And the question was, how do you plan the middle of a long campaign?
0: So, A campaign like, uh, what kind of campaign? Well,
1: a large campaign, like a long campaign, something that, uh, instead of a one-shot, there's a a long campaign is something that'll take place over multiple sessions. Now, I would say a long campaign is at least 10 sessions long, depending on how long you play, but they could be years long, right? Well,
0: depending on your group, most um, home groups, which are now Roll20 groups currently, most home groups have been playing for a long time and usually they don't just play once and do a one shot and then the next week do another one shot. They're usually in a campaign or it's just a, what do you call it? Your favorite term, a sandbox.
1: Yes, right. We play in, in in all my groups, which I only have two or three, maybe four. We play mainly one shots or short number of sessions and then we switch GMs and switch games the group that i play with my friend calls it the stanford group we play normally we play uh, different games but lately we've been stuck not stuck you guys been, are
0: playing a campaign don't lie we've been,
1: Well, we've, we've we all decided we really like the one ring we like the way bay runs the game i'm a co-gm so i give him a break every once in a while but we really like that game we really like exploring that whole world and so Right, that's it. Turned into a campaign. turned out to a campaign with a little bit of a splattering of one shots here and there of different games. Yes. So what happens is we, when you plan a long campaign, a lot of people, I think a lot of authors have this: is they they know the beginning of the book and they know the end, and the part in between is is what they have to figure out. Or that's the big part of the book and this is the big part of the campaign that's most of the book is right. the in between yeah the in-betweens
0: so after you set up your campaign say you set it up so your players are going after a big bad guy that they're going to meet at the end and destroy <laughs> or, or destroy, something like that
1: destroy. Wow. they could help or somebody or thwart <laughs> okay i see
0: they will save the world all right yes it's the journey in between that you're talking about yes and, and how to write it or how to how, how to plan it out if,
1: I, th- I think it depends on your campaign right the the, f- the first thing I, I put down first thing i put down was it depends on the on the what is, what
0: the is? type of campaign the
1: ty- the campaign setting right it, a lot of it depends on on the world that you're living in and then the second thing i put down was the type of game that it is it's a mystery game it's an expedition game it's a, a exploration game is it at high adventure all these things though a campaign can include all kinds of things but the main impetus of what the whole game is about is usually centered on high adventure or mystery or investigation or figuring things out Now, of course that depends on the kind of game you're playing and then for me I put a third thing was how much player agency you have in this game that you set up so all those three things to me kind of make up this how to deal with the middle part of your game
0: which makes sense if you're especially if you're running a module adventure like Storm King's Thunder that you ran right. it took us what a year and a half or something to go right. through it
1: and you guys ignored it I ignored or you guys ignored 3 fourths of that book
0: <laughs> well yeah because we were we were having fun we were made, we made our own adventure inside the adventure oh no right? the, you
1: know the, not yeah exactly i was just saying that there's so much in that book that was not used in i could probably run it again and just give you a different goal, and you can come up and you can come across all these encounters and and plot points that I never used or touched on, and you guys wouldn't know that you guys were still pl- running in Storm King's Thunder.
0: So when you're when you are playing a adventure like that, the writers give you all of those different things. They don't think you're going to hit every one of them, do they?
1: I'm not sure. I think Storm King's Thunder it is probably one of the, I believe it's probably one of the better written modules or campaigns I've read. But uh, there's certain one other ones. For example, the a real famous one written by Larry DeTilio, Mass of Narcolecta. <laughs> <No, laughs> Sorry that he butchers that. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say it, so I just rushed through it. But That thing is,
0: he wrote that a long time ago, and I still see it on... Well, the, they just reprinted they, it about two yes. or three
1: years ago and did uh, quite a bit of a... What do you call it? They did accessories to it? Like yes. there's an accessory box which has all kinds of cool they things. They glammed can, it up. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, they revamped it and, and made it for 7th edition, I think.
0: And for the all of the Call of Cthulhu groups that I see on Facebook and on the internet, people love that campaign. Right.
1: It's considered one of the best campaigns ever written, either better or on par, depending on who you ask, right, and depends on what their favorite game is. Uh, the great Pendragon campaign uh, for uh, Pendragon is equally... Viewed as one of the best written and uh, published campaign settings, and those things are huge, right? There yeah. there's a lot of stuff in them. And Larry, when he wrote it, he wrote it open ended, right? There's a start. I think you start in New York or something, mm-hmm. and then you go. There's clues that point to different cities around the globe, and you don't know what city these people are going to go to because they they can go to either one. I've never played in it. I've never ran it, so I sh- actually I don't own it, which is kind of sad. I should go buy it somewhere. Anyway, uh, so that is a kind of a, a interesting way of doing a campaign where you have the uh, we have the beginning, you have the end, and in between these clues point to different cities around the globe. I think Berlin is one. Uh, yeah, Cairo is another place. I think sure England probably. Uh,
0: England's a whole country. You mean London? Yeah, or? probably
1: London and Paris, of course. So the clues point to various cities and it's up to the characters to decide which clue they're going to follow. And when they go to that city, it gives you more clues to other cities and stuff like that. From what I've read. Uh, of course, like I said, i never played. The Pendragon is a little bit more... Uh,
0: Pendragon is based on years. And um, I mean, right. it. so it's a little bit different, but it is very well... Received? Received. I I, I hear people love it. Right. And the, the small... Couple of pen dragon games I've played in, I've really found very interesting because it doesn't matter what you're doing, it's like even if you're just going to a tournament or you're being stuck, you get stuck inside of a, a realm that you can't get out of, <laughs> or you die, you know. in <laughs> on the GM, it's a lot of fun.
1: And that great pen dragon campaign usually. It takes over such a long period of time that... Well, there's not usually... It takes over such a long period of time... That your you, grandson or right, your great-grandson is, grandson one, is, is playing... It's the one going yeah. to finish the, the game. Finish the campaign, yeah. And then, but see, that seems a little bit more... I, I don't know. want to say formulaic, but that's... More
0: realistic in a way that, that your character is not going to make it that many years since you're a knight,
1: right? Well, there's that, but I'm saying is that there's... This, this is what happens in this year. That's going to happen whether...
0: Whether, you're, whether you do anything about it or right.
1: not. right? I guess you could have an impact on the battle and stuff like that. So maybe a battle might be won instead of lost. I don't know. I don't know. I've never ran or played in that campaign either. But it seems to me that more things are set out in a very, uh, what do you call it, sequential pattern. Like this is the year that this battle. And in five years from then, this is going to happen. And so unless the characters possibly could have some impact oh. in the setting and the way things turn out.
0: And that would depend on the GM, right? And right. How, how how much they want to mess with the, messed with history that's in there, the history that's been altered a bit.
1: Right, and, and currently we're playing the One Ring and we, Bay and me, both of us, we're co-GMs, we're using the Darkening of the Mirkwood, which is, also has this timeline, right? When obviously, because we're dealing with, with something that was written by token. And this happens in this year, and this happens in this year, and this happens. But have a discussion on Bay as to how much impact can the players have in a greater story Story in the world of of Middle Earth. Well, when
0: you're playing with a an IP, as you would say, yes. like yes. that, you probably want your players to... I mean, it depends on, on your game because it can be an alternate history, right? But you would want whatever they do can impact... I would say, where they are and them, but not necessarily the other events taking place.
1: Right. But since, for example, I think we played, I mentioned this before, at one point I kind of introduced Gollum. Yes. And uh, Gollum, uh, I think they captured him, or maybe they captured him from another group of goblins who had captured him. Anyway, so they had Gollum, right? And I guess they were, not the game is, situated or built around the idea that it's very uh very there's a lot of chivalry in this game right and anything you do that's really like bad you get these shadow points right which is bad right you don't want to get too much shadow points or you basically you get too much shadow points and then you lose your character to madness right to it's been taken over it's another way of getting rid of the character but but uh but if you kill an unarmed enemy you get a point of shadow even if it's an orc right so you, you either you let them loose or you just fight it out to the death and the kirk versus the gorn style right you're not but you're not going to kill a, a person who's tied up and a prisoner with no weapon
0: you're not someone might and then so get, a might and get a
1: shadow point so at one point they had Gollum, and then they were attacked and the little bastard snuck away and got got away i had, i even told with that i had thought about it but what happens if they just like They kind of i don't know if they knew who he was because i really didn't describe him very well they just thought he was an ugly orc or ugly goblin but of course they figured out who he was but i I ran i ran the risk of them killing him because at one point they had control over Gollum, and they didn't kill him right so what would happen if they killed him i mean what would happen in the campaign since he takes a big part well he destroys the one ring right so he's yeah because he goes nuts and uh flies off the edge at least in the movie and uh and the books too so that's a huge risk that i took that they wouldn't kill him but two i also thought if they changed that i just roll with it I'll I'll well if they they if they
0: then the story would just change and and maybe samwise would have had to be the one to toss the ring yeah
1: or cut the finger of frodo yeah right exactly so anytime you're dealing with that situation but that would have just
0: been an alternate history to the to the Tolkien history, right?
1: Right. And I think I think that's for me I think that's the best way to deal with an IP that's that's so loved and ingrained and you got to be upfront with the players uh, when you play you say this is our Middle Earth. I think somebody uh, who is it? I think it's uh the person who makes Eberron. Oh, damn, I can't believe I forgot his name. But he ran this, he made this campaign setting called Eberron and he's always said my Eberron when he talks about Eberron. Because he says,
0: because it's each it's each GM's right, world, right? Right,
1: and to do what they want, and if something happens in in, uh, in one person's campaign, I guess they ask for a lot of advice, right, for from him, you know, in emails or on Facebook or whatever. And this happens a lot, even in. I know we're going slightly off the subject, but even people like asking questions about rules as written, and they go, well, "What is the rule if this happens?" Right, and I and and I'm a part of a Facebook group called. D fifth edition rules as written and i really got to get out of it because these people drive me nuts because they ask these questions and that's fine that they ask these questions but I, but when i when i what i see is like who cares why do we really well, need to a
0: lot of people that that's that's one of the things about rules as written is that they some people really want to play it the way they believe the rules are written but that kind of takes away from the the spirit of role-playing right that it's your game and if you don't like the way the rules are written, then change them just a little bit, right? right. So that it works for you. Tell your players you're changing them, yeah, but you know, make sure that uh, I don't like that rule. I don't like the way that it doesn't give you the agency to do what you want to do. Right. So I'm going to adjust it this way. And that's what, that is why the GM is there, right? To right. to make the story better.
1: And, and depending on how they want to run their game, it depends uh, a lot depends on on how m- well they want to stick to the ip the rules and all these other things we, we're all over the place in this one but let's go back to the the, the setting right the setting is important because it dictates the kind of, it kind of dictates the kind of game you're going to run like if i'm going to run uh in the conan world then th- that dictates there's not a lot of magic uh, if i'm going to run a game and if
0: you do use magic in the conan world you may kill your 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 players that you have with you I, rec- I don't think I rec- you came close you opened up a big hole in the in the ground
1: well you guys messed up your agility rules and you guys fell into the hole not yeah. my fault not my fault so i warned you so there's that the the campaign setting has its own rules right built in right when when uh, just the world that you put it in
0: but and then so, the, just the campaign itself so you have the beginning of the campaign right and how do you get to the end of the campaign? What's the what's the what's the exciting part okay. in the middle?
1: Okay, so the exciting part in the middle it depends, right? Like if 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 there's a lot of player agency, there's a lot less to plan. I think if there's a not a lot of player agency, like let's say original D and D, where most people were playing dungeons, mm-hmm. the dungeon is the plot. Even right?
0: modern D and D, the Mad Mages. Uh, dungeon of a hundred levels probably more if you accidentally step into a vortex somewhere but yeah dungeons make it harder to but also dungeons make it easier on the gm and the fact that all of the rooms are populated with things right
1: right things things are already set and it's only the only I'm, decision that the players make is which Way to turn, and that—that's their
0: player agency, right? They get to go decide which—if they're going to open the door or not. <laughs> not a Who lot knows? of player agency. Who knows yes. what they're going to—what they're going to encounter?
1: Yes, and so, uh, like I said, original D anD D. If you played it the way that it was sl- basically made to be played, you played in a dungeon, you busted down doors, you killed monsters, and so there's not a lot of player agency in that. But let's say you play—what is it?
0: Uh, Any okay. mystery game.
1: Okay. Why? So,
0: well, any mystery game, there's gonna be from the beginning to the end, you have the beginning who the killer is, right? Okay If or it's the, a killer or the incident. Yes. And then you have the ending when you, the... when you solve it yeah. so so in a mystery game, whether it's a uh, your adventure or somebody else a written adventure, there's gonna be points in it that like clues, right. And it's not necessarily how they get to them, they can go your players can go any way they want to yes. as, so you're just going to want to make sure that they hit those points. Right.
1: You would hope so. I mean, I think a, a, a good mystery game, you point to a certain, to the next clue.
0: The problem with that, having played it recently in some mystery <laughs> games is that you can't always tell what the next clue is or where, where, where the GM is actually <laughs>
1: pointing you to. I think you're right in that sense, because you don't know if the clue is good enough or if the players are good enough to get the clue, right?
0: I wouldn't use that term. If the players are good enough, I would use the term. If the players, if the GM is good enough to oh, not let GM's the let the players know where. Well, the if, clue is. Oh,
1: about this, if the clue is obvious enough to point in the right direction, yes, right. So a good game that I, a mystery game for me. Has uh, has been Gumshoe, right? Because I love the the idea of the basics of the game, which means that if you're in a mystery game, uh, solving m- mysteries, or uh, what, yeah, yeah, you always get the clue. Yes, that leads you to the next clue, or that gives you that propels the game forward.
0: That's what I was gonna say, and I haven't played Gumshoe, right. I don't think, but I was gonna say whatever wherever the next clue is say your players go the wrong way well just get a big arrow and point them in the right <laughs> direction or just move your clue to where that move that person to where right. they are right so a
1: lot of people there's a few people that i know that don't really like the whole gumshoe system because they don't like the way combat works and then this and that and some people don't like the fact that that you only roll one six sided die which has to do with probability they want more charts dies. probability charts and all this stuff. But I like the concept that that if you are a group of investigators, whatever that is, for whatever reason you're together, and you come across a scene, you, if somebody, let's say somebody has biology, you're automatically going to get the bio, the biological clue. Right. Now, what what Gumshoe does is that it says if if they automatically get a clue, but if they want a better clue or a chance to get more information, you get to roll, mm-hmm. right. And so I like that idea because what happens is in a mystery game or yeah in a mystery game. You need a clue to move forward. It's like that door right in the old D and D, right. You got to
0: open that door, but you, you can't that make door. that roll. You
1: and you're rolling to to bust down doors and and and. You've open been it.
0: rolling for forty five minutes, and the door still isn't. Well, moving.
1: it's like everybody takes a shot at the door, right? right? Starting with the strongest fighter. Damn, I didn't make I didn't bust down the door. Okay, let the cleric do it. The cleric, nope. And then like the wizard, that wizard has a strength of eight. There's no way he's gonna make it, but but let's say he doesn't make it. So you're stuck. You're stuck behind this door, and you're like, okay, what do we do? And I think in the original rules, you couldn't repeat busting out a door unless it was like a day later and stuff like that. I don't remember, but I remember getting stuck behind doors every once in a while. And that's that's and who wants to role play if you if you call it that? This idea of oh, I need a I need a 19 or t- better on a roll before we can proceed and you're just rolling the die I'll oh, wait 10 minutes okay I'm gonna wait another 10 minutes that's boring as heck that's right? why
0: that's why you want your players to come up with other ideas and then as a GM you're gonna you're gonna change the number they need to reach or you're gonna you know do something to
1: so gum ignores all that crap and right. says you just get this clue but what happens is if you roll and you and you succeed then you get a better clue which gives you more information, and I think in in uh, in Gumshoe they say you should have like three levels of clues to wherever you wherever the clue is, and so when I read a uh, a module for that game, every clue has three levels of, of inf- levels of information or detail, and I think that's really neat. I think that's a really neat way to deal with that situation.
0: I think it, that you can take that and apply it to any campaign right right
1: and that's well yeah and exactly and that's a really good idea i mean uh, i think robin d laws wrote that What the same guy who wrote Frank shui wrote uh, a couple of those books that use gumshoe uh action stars is one which is a science fiction one which i've been, really wanted to run but just haven't had time or haven't gotten around to it and and i and some ideas that he has i think are just brilliant like i said it just that was an eye-opening uh Uh, introduction to this game when I'm like wow that's pretty neat because I've tried running mystery games and you're right if they don't get that clue you're like man they didn't roll well and then the idea is why make them roll it just it was enlightening to me
0: right like if you need the players to see a column of dwarves coming towards them and they don't make (laughs) their roll you might want to let one of them see it anyway right unless and if you don't then then they missed that
1: Right, and that yeah, it, like I said, you don't need to have that door that can open if it that door leads to the rest of your campaign. So that I was sure, sort of that was sort of the setting, right? And and, and, and like I said, and that setting dictates how the game, how the the middle of the game is gonna run, because like in Storm King's Thunder, there was you guys were just like thrown into that world, right? And b- basically there was literally. Fires- yeah <laughs> there was fires that would that your group would put out. oh there's trouble in this town I'm gonna go there and help this out. oh there's trouble over here I'm gonna go happen to go over there and, and and deal with that situation but but there was no linear way of action there's no linear way you're not gonna go from point A to point b to point C where in a mystery game, it's totally different. They kind of have to go through different points usually to Get the clue that leads to the next clue, and then that place you get the you get a clue that leads to the next clue, which is another location until you get enough clues to rip off the mask of Mr. Jenkins and you reveal that he there is no ghost and it's just old man Jenkins <coughs> trying to uh ex- buy the real estate of the carnival so he could put up multiple level housing,
0: yes, but even in a mystery game, you shouldn't be stuck too much with you have to make it to this house to find the clue because if you if you do i mean if you if you say your players go to the house next door i mean <laughs> w- what are you going to do then so that's part of the game right trying to give them the give them the information without um taking away you know you have to go and knock on house number well (laughs) 1470 i would hope i would
1: hope i would hope the clue let's say let's say the 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 clue mentions a red house well you're not going to have a future house uh, well maybe there's two red houses right next to each other. yeah you you wouldn't do that right you would put you would put a red house and everybody else's house maybe it's a
0: row of red houses (laughs) i mean come on well some g it depends on the gm and how the
1: gm deserves the 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 the,
0: the torture of the players not doing
1: what they no it's the fourth red house on the corner okay so you you're go. right i think when you got to make it you got to make one you got to make the clues real clues right if the clues just confuse the characters more players then that's not a real good clue
0: but in if you're not running a mystery game then it's okay to wherever they go and whatever they do in the middle of the campaign you should just have like plot points, right? You say, what are we today? You don't even have to say, what are you doing? And then they say they're going to go to the left. Okay. And you just give them an encounter. right? Oh,
1: okay. I would think that's kind of more like a open, open-ended open game or a, a what, do you call, what do we call it? Sandbox. Sandbox game. I think a plot point game, or I, I like, they use encounters or mm-hmm. I like to call events because encounters to me kind of,
0: symbolize fighting.
1: Exact that's exactly what I was thinking. So exactly. I think the idea that when you say encounters, it's automatically considered a combat situation. That's why I like to say events because sometimes they're like, well that it takes away from the idea that it's combat orientated. When you have certain situations like this is gonna happen, an event happens and you go there and you deal with that event and either it points to another event or a clue. It doesn't have to be a mystery game, but it should point you to a direction that where your party should go next or where the adventure should go next. Now, whether the characters or the players decide to do that, that's totally up to them. And as a GM, you have to figure out how to corral or herd these cats in the direction you want to want to go to good luck with that. Or you could just say, well, things are going to happen whether the players go to, with their characters to this next location, right? You know, like if they don't go to that location, a lot of people say, well, let whatever would have happened without the player's intervention happen. Like if they could have saved the barmaiden from this evil shadow, well, she dies because they didn't act. And that information gets back to them somehow and stuff like that. Like Kind of like what, what happened in that mystery game that we played in. You know, we weren't either. We weren't getting the Mister the the clues fast enough, and we were arriving just in the time after the the death, <laughs> the death, which which I think is kind of was the way it was written. I, I don't think uh, I don't think we were was it. Uh, I think it was the way it was written. I don't think we were being slow or not moving fast enough in that game, but we don't know. <laughs> we, 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 I haven't read the.
0: Too many people died.
1: Yeah, I haven't read the
0: the module the
1: module so that would have been interesting i never talked about to felipe about whether it was written that way or if we were just goofing off too much and we're too late we weren't
0: goofing off at all but we could have been too late because it takes us a long time to move but it
1: it seems to me that that's probably what was how it was written yeah because toward the end of the game we actually got there before the people got killed and we were actually able to do stuff what we thought would prevent them from getting killed but didn't happen but uh because the ghosts can actually follow people (laughs) a lot like i said a lot of the temptations on the game the mystery game you kind of have hit the gotta have you gotta hit the clue areas and and figure out what the clues are to move on to the next the next encounter or event and then hopefully you'll be able to solve the mystery uh, capture the the serial killer or whatever it is that you're doing I think it, if it's more open-ended, like, a, like you said, sandbox, which can be any kind of game. I said, I think mysteries can't be really sandboxy. In yeah, a mysteries sense are hard because there's things that are going to happen. Uh, the bad guy's going to do things. And, and, and if the characters are in going the wrong direction, then the, the bad guy can keep doing whatever he's doing. So, in that sense the he made they may never catch up to the bad guy but this works in high adventure this works in space opera type games where the players the characters are just freebooters or adventurers or mercenaries doing whatever they want in a world that's totally open to them so when you start that can game you definitely have a beginning right how the characters uh, start how the characters get together what hap- what happens that drive these characters to move forward and then you have the end of where they meet the big bad guy they save the world they save the universe uh, or they will do whatever
0: and usually at the beginning it's they get a job or something right or an assignment dependent like if it's a
1: military camp yeah yeah i I agree
0: and then from there whether however they get to the end of it is is the fun part right
1: right and they and they totally uh move to propel the game forward they're the ones that are, they're the ones that are doing things. They're the ones that, that basically it's almost telling the GM where they're going, right? Because they're going, oh, we're going to go, what's over here? Or where can we get this? They're the ones asking the questions and based on whatever information the GM gives them, they decide where they go. Right. And, and I think this is a harder game to run as a GM because you really have to be on your toes because you cannot plan for every, every decision they're going to make and every plan that the characters players make and go to so i think we had this problem in the traveler game uh there was definitely an adventure that yeah an adventure that was in the game but we didn't know it took us
0: a while to get to the planet (laughs) because
1: we didn't know where to go
0: we looked at the planets and picked the wrong one a couple times but we finally did make it (laughs)
1: So I was like, I wasn't sure what we were doing. I mean, I was sure, not. I wasn't sure what we were doing. I wasn't sure if we were, if we missed it, if we were going the right direction right. or something. Because he did leave it pretty open ended. I, I think we had a, a sort of a goal, but
0: we did. But it took us a while to find the right place. Okay,
1: I think as long as the GM doesn't mind coming up with things on the fly, that's a perfect way to run a game.
0: If there's no time constraint, and right. if it's a campaign, there shouldn't be a time constraint. Right. So you should be able to investigate a couple planets that yeah. have nothing to do with your where you're supposed to be. Your, yeah,
1: your your main point of the adventure, and that was that wasn't a campaign though. That was no, just that a was short, just, yeah. short three session game. But a longer campaign, there's a lot more things to 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 plan out. I think my favorite way of doing things is probably Storm King's Thunder, where there's certain things certain things that the character should encounter let's say it's a it's a long campaign and and you want the characters to hit four or five points like four or five adventure sites and they're going to get clues to that points to the, the first one cuz that's kind of where you want them to go because that's where all your maps are and you you have all your monsters lined up that's you know, Storm king thunder's a D&D game but it'll work for anything but they could they could go anywhere they want dodge around your plot point right, multiple times and circle around it but it's good idea f- to have clues or or even just say oh yeah the the, the information you need is 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 in altered village or whatever so then they go there right and that's where this event happens whatever that event does you know and it kind of points to the next place but the but you're not going to say well you have to go to the next place you just let the characters so you let them meander where they want but you want them to hit those points that along the way point to this greater evil or point ending the campaign in this fantastical exciting fashion right storm king's thunder for me was really was really well done uh, the darkness of Merkwood is kind of like that in the sense because it just says this is what happens depending on the year, and you could just you could do that, or if you if the characters don't act or react, this village will basically uh, cease to exist. It's up to the you know, it's it's up to the characters, the players, if they take enough interest in this location, and if they do take enough interest, how are they going to solve the situation? And that's pretty cool too. And what I like about it is, uh, it doesn't really, it doesn't give you a lot of information as to what should happen. It just says, this, this is who, this is what's happening, and the players have to figure out what to do. It doesn't tell you how to figure it out what to do. It doesn't tell you if something's gonna work or not. So I'm like, wow. That's, that's why it's called
0: a role playing game, yeah, right?
1: Exactly, and I like it. It's, it's really well done. It, uh, the the Storm King's Thunder took about a year and a year and a half, probably. And like I said, you did you guys probably hit forty percent of the book, honestly, of all the stuff that's in there. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. I never played Cran Dragon Campaign, but my friend uh, Shannon, who ran it, <clears throat> ran it. I think he's ran it for like three years online. I think they play. I think every week uh 4 hours a uh, uh no 4 hours a session so that's a lot of sessions and he, I think he's even posted some on youtube and stuff I don't know anybody who's who's actually played the uh, the Master of <laughs> Narcolexith but uh, I've heard it, great things about it and it's a lot a lot like a like a plot point campaign where where there's an end there's a beginning and the players decide which how to solve or how to go whatever way I think that's the best and way And they to try run. not
0: to go crazy as they're yeah, doing it well, Yeah that, is
1: that is that I think that's the best way to run a game, uh, a long campaign, because what happens is if, if you try to railroad them, if those rails go from point A to point B and keep them on that one, I don't think that the players will see those rails and they, they may not like it. They may think that, well, kind of like, why am I here? You just do your story and, and I'll go and play a video game somewhere. So there's that risk, but but I think most games aren't that way anymore. and I think if, if it's sandbox, then then you have to have that ability to think on the fly and be very uh, spontaneous and, and have a good ability to be uh, yeah, have good improvisational skills. <laughs> so.
0: so I don't know if that answered the question of how to run the middle of your campaign.
1: Well, okay, so the, to me is if you are running a long campaign, it's good to have a good beginning, a good end, and then if uh, depending on how much player agency players have, if they have a little bit of player agency or quite a bit, you could have in, uh, plot points, as you call it, uh, events that happen in the game, and if they don't hit that event or don't get there to, into your timeline, then something should happen. It shouldn't be like uh, people don't... Well,
0: I don't think... The only problem I have with that okay. is... I like the idea of things are ha- like a timeline with things happening, yes. but I don't, I don't know that. So say they don't make it to a village, then the school burns down or something, right. but you know, they didn't necessarily, maybe you didn't give them the right information or they just didn't figure out that that's where they needed to go. Okay.
1: I, in that sense, yes, but let's say you give them all kinds of clues that point to this location and they go, well, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, they don't think it's that important. to highlight the importance of of what's going on something bad happens right in that town where they could have prevented it if they had followed the clues so that gives you a little bit more urgency to for the players to to stay on task even though it's you're not running a railroad but you but the world is moving no matter no matter what decision that the players make in their in that world for their characters so i think that's important i think to have this world around them that's alive and, and going on is probably a, a good thing. Uh, but you're right. But if it's too much like that, if it's too on this timeline, oh, you didn't make it in time. Two hours ago, they they burned down. And right, <laughs> so that th- 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 that is a little bit too rare <laughs> Or
0: or the GM's just being mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So there's is that some is that all your ideas?
1: I think so. We discussed this uh, for quite a bit. So the, a lot of it depends on the, your campaign setting. It depends on uh, the type of game you're running, whether it's a mystery game, high adventure, whatever, your, your middle of your campaign, and how much player agency. So those three three things kind of dictate how you're going to form the middle of your game, which is the chunk of playing. That's the plane of if, it, the, if it's a campaign, campaign, yeah, of a long campaign. And I think the, the better way to deal with things is to hit, have events happening in in your world and as the players go from place to place and try to get to the to the the main event uh then that's probably for me that's the best way to deal with it a sound open sandbox then you know you're on your own because uh you just have to be quick on the think on the fly and be able to deal with situations that the characters are gonna get into and you not being you're not going to be able to plan a lot in those situations
0: and we can talk about that at a different time that's true this is gaming perspectives with
1: it's all angeline you have a good day